Welcome to Rooted and Reaching, a podcast from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia in Columbia, Maryland, where we celebrate the beauty of our diversity. In our conversations here, we share stories of our journeys and explore ideas that challenge us in order to nurture the interdependent web of which we are all a part. We are rooted in faith, reaching for community. Hi, I'm Sarah Davidson, and in today's third and final episode with Reverend Anthony, we'll hear about his experience of the death of two close friends and how these losses have shaped him. We'll also talk about the riot at the Capitol on January 6th and explore how the tension of what happened overlaps with his work as military chaplain. So we're gonna do it, are we ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this question's from Tom Monroe. What are some striking or surprising, however you wanna frame it, themes emerging in your current spiritual practice or themes that have emerged through life transition? Life transition. So um, I, I lost two really good friends last year um, within a week of each other. So one was the person for whom in part our oldest is named, um, really good buddy of mine who was a team leader for me in the army. Um, probably like one of the best human beings I've ever met, just sweet, pure spirit in his 50s, late 50s, had a couple of bouts with cancer over the years, had a really nice period of remission in between and then came back around to get him. Um, and I was prepared for that. So I knew that he would split at some point. It was probably merciful for him once he got sick and he didn't get unsick. Um, but it was still something to know that he was not in the world anymore. And I lost a good buddy of mine, a drummer, who's a year older than me, so 43, and totally out of the blue. Um, Eight-year-old son just became like, he was doing some great things in his career. He just joined his fraternity. He was like, he was on the precipice of like a whole new era for his life. And then, psst. so the nature of military culture is very abrupt anyway. Like people die quickly. People are born quickly. People move away quickly. Um, but I haven't had a lot of loss personally for me in terms of people I was connected to. So I sit with a lot of people about death or people who are here at their tech school and somebody back home is getting ready to die or somebody's passing away um, or they're worried about somebody with COVID or something like that. So we have been a lot, I've leaned a lot more into conversations about mortality and been able to relate a little bit more to the, with my friend that was 43, I don't think I ever needed to see a memorial service so much. And I normally am like, I don't need to, I avoided them greatly until I was a minister and was officiating them. And I, I don't mind doing them at all, but for people close to me, I've usually not been a person that wants to go, but I needed to see his body to confirm it for me. Like I needed to, and I could relate a little bit more to people grieving, not being able to leave here and go to those kinds of rites and rituals. I don't think I really had a personal connection to it before. So um, births, deaths, sick relatives, stuff like that. Those are themes that come up a lot, but I think I'm noticing I have a different kind of connection to the people who sit in front of me and sort of pour that stuff out now, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. It's deepened your ability to relate emotionally to these people and their experience. To feel it, you know, not like walk you through it or um, help you make sense of it or find some meaning in it or whatever, which is all cool, but just to be like, okay, so this is how this feels. Right. 
you can pull back the memory of that feeling when yeah. someone is sitting in front of you having had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, on the brighter side, a lot of the people, when I get here at the dorm, I have like a, I do like this weekly brief for the newcomers. I tell them, you know, both my grandfather served in World War II. As I understand it, they're both cooks and not because they couldn't, they didn't have degrees and stuff like that. That's what they were allowed to do at the time. And they would lose their mind that their grandson is an officer leading a brief that you have to sit here and listen to. And I'm aware that I can set my son and my daughter up for even much greater stuff than that by what I do here. But I could also make it very hard for them to do as much as I or, or whatever. Like I could also set them up for some really stout obstacles. So I try to tell them just know how much, know what the gravity is of your arrival here. Like you can set up generations behind you for really great things. And you can also make it very difficult for the people behind you. Absolutely. It's like, it's generational trauma, right? Yeah. Yes. You can set it back or keep it moving forward or start it moving forward or Mm -hmm. push it back three steps. I'll tell them a lot, you know, like your roommate, (laughs) for your roommate, you might be the first LGBTQ person they ever meet. And for better or for worse, you're going to shape their heart and mind because they're going to come away from their experience with you and at least have to wrestle with whatever it is they thought before. So like all that stuff is theory and you are like the lab. You know, that's so Anthony, this is interesting because for the longest time, I, for the longest time, for maybe like two years. So not the longest time. (laughs) (laughs) Time is relative. It's okay. Time is relative. (laughs) It felt like a long time. Anyway, over two years, I was, I, kind of firmly was clinging to the idea. I went through the phase of like, oh, I'm bisexual. And then I was like, oh, I'm queer. And then I felt really comfortable sitting with the word queer for quite some time. Cause I was just like, you know, it's amorphous. And I don't know if I can give people a full paragraph about this all the time. Or like, I don't know if I feel the need. Yeah. Then it got to a point where I was like, but people that are having my, I want to be able to name it more specifically so that people that are having a similar experience can see me in the world, right? Yes. And if they if they need me for something, I want them to know that I'm here. Yep. Right. So it still feels very tender to me um, because it's a little bit bizarre to be in your mid to be 35 and to be like, hey world, hey extended Baptist family that I've barely spoken to for decades. <laughs> I'm a pansexual, you know, I'm genderqueer and pansexual. Yeah. No, you're probably going to need to Google that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's a lot. It's interesting. It is. No, but, but through their experience of you, you know, that experience, to me, experience of a person always trumps whatever you thought about them, like whatever the theory was, it maybe changes your worldview. So it's uncomfortable growth in a lot of ways. And even if they don't, they can't really get with where you are. They can't be on the same sheet of music. Again, it's harder for them not to see the, the humanity in it yeah you know so can we talk about what happened at the capitol then <laughs> absolutely talk about that it's a great segue yeah segue so i didn't make this question up so this is from pamela henry and jill christensen yeah and their question is we've been through such a cultural reckoning from the nonviolent demonstrations following the murder of george floyd to the violence of the capitol on january 6th with the latter part of that, knowing that at least 20% who have a chaos and violence at the Capitol had roots in the U.S. military, how have you addressed or are you addressing this tension of what happened at the Capitol as your role as a chaplain? 
super short question for you. Andrew. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Every day I probably talk about this with somebody, um, whether it comes up in terms of their life or certainly while it was going down, I gave lots of informal and formal briefs about, hey, look, this is what is happening. Um, this has never happened in my lifetime. Not that it's never happened in the history of the country, but not in anybody's lifetime who you know. Um, these people basically were an angry mob stirred up and tried to um, disrupt the process of democracy and whatever and do it with force. Uh, five people die, you know? So wherever you are on your belief thing or whatever, like, you have to know that you're part of the 1% that protects the process that the other 99% live or die by. So like, whatever it is that you feel personally, you got to put that aside when you put this uniform on. And even when you don't have this uniform on, you're still in it. Um, the challenge for military is always like, we train everybody to be these warriors that do this really uh, controlled, violent stuff, that do things that in the civilian world would get you in a lot of trouble. But we train people very well to do stuff that you can't really do when you get out. And a lot of people who are drawn to the fight, who are natural just warriors when they get out, they're still looking for a fight. Mm. Like they don't have a fight. So they are prime pickings for extremist groups or whoever who know that they're chomping at the bit to fight something or someone and just need to pipe in a little bit of stuff to them. And that gives them an active thing to do again. They can be a sergeant again or a, an officer or whatever. Like they can, they can, they just needed an enemy and they can get back in. Some of them, their whole identity is wrapped up in, I was a professional warrior, soldier, sailor, whatever. And I having a hard time trying to find a place in non-warrior society. So if you can give me a fight again, I like that. And I would suspend a lot of my disbelief about whether or not I'm actually into this. I just want to be engaged again. Ideally, there are much more positive and productive ways to do that. But also, if you're pulling on uh, the social media stuff and the COVID thing where you're all isolated and you got nothing to do but go through your social media, and if it all slants one particular way, yeah, you know, I'm trying to speak to these people now in terms of like, here's the 30,000 foot view on this. Please start thinking now about who you are separately from who you are in this military and who you want to be when you get out so that you're not so lost that you're easy pickings for somebody in a group or a militia or whatever, because it would be easy for you to go back into that based on what you have been trying to do. But some of you did really well. You know, there's some of these cops that got hurt are people getting hit with American flags, right? Like crazy stuff. You're like, wow. So these are people who were so upset at Colin Kaepernick about the flag thing. So there were a lot of things for that with me, but, but in terms of what I do from my perch is I try to just like help them frame this as you have a, you have a higher calling. We need to be better than that. And when you leave still be better than that. Yeah. So this leads us into our, I guess this is our last question during this time. How can we know we're listening to the truth and not spin It's a little interpretive <laughs> can we see what you do here? Okay. The short practical answer is probably Try to listen to as many different views of a thing as you can. Try not to take one lane as, oh, well, that, they said that, so that, that's it. Try to, um, even if you don't agree with the other part of it, try to hear that. You know, the truth is like somewhere in between, even if it's 95% over here, the other side is probably saying something that has some weight. Try not to discredit that. Anthony, this was like so, I, yeah, I think you're great. <laughs> Likewise. I opened it like that. And I, I just don't know what, else, like, you're just fascinating. And I knew you would be because you know how to craft an email. Like, I don't know. I've never seen emails <laughs> written like that. 
<laughs> I had too much time on my hands in my formative years, right? Like I just was like, how can I write this? No, I appreciate that. All right. I hope you have a good rest of the day. You all also greatly appreciated this. You have more of the day. It's only one o'clock. I mean, but what is time? This is what I'm saying, right? It's one <laughs> o'clock here. In Australia, it's a different day, right? See you next Wednesday for another chat. And if you haven't already, support our podcast by subscribing to Rooted and Reaching on Spotify or Google or Apple Podcasts. Thank you. See you soon.